Hey. Hi. And, and hello. hello. Welcome to Into the Riordanverse, a Rick Riordan read-along podcast where we read the books that aren't a part of the Camp Half-Blood Chronicles. Oh, I see that's a bit of a jab at me. All right. This includes Percy Jackson and the Olympians, Heroes of Olympus, and the Trials of Apollo. Uh, unfortunately, this week we will not be continuing our reading of the King Chronicles of the Red Pyramid because this is a special bonus episode I am recording with uh, this new voice you're hearing. <laughs> yes, this is very unhow. I have uh, come to realize it's, it's the opposite of how in many senses of the word, but um, hopefully... <laughs> You guys will enjoy it. Exactly. New voice, introduce yourself. Who are you? Hello, I am Fran, host of the Best Damn Camp. And yes, that is the damn that you guys will be aware of. Um, <laughs> another Percy Jackson podcast that goes through all Rick Riordan's books in timeline order. I am also one of the two British Percy Jackson podcasters. There are only two of us. Um, Everyone else is American, so occasionally <laughs> there are difficulties. And they, the, you Americans, you guys always make fun of me in the way I say things, but it's all in good fun. <laughs> Chiron. I, you may be across the ocean, but I will come and punch you. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I'm okay with you pronouncing everything the way you pronounce it, but Chiron is where I draw the line. <laughs> Admittedly, I think I am actually the only British person who says Chiron that way because no one else that I know says it that way. I'm not going to lie. When you said two British podcasters, I'm like, who the hell is she talking about? I'm like, oh yeah, Into the Mist. <laughs> oh yeah. Admittedly, I, I, I didn't know uh, there was another British podcaster for a little while. So I felt bad. I was like, oh, we didn't, we, I don't think we've even, I don't think we've spoken yet either. We're very reserved as British people, apparently. We don't communicate with each other as a in general so i need to get on that <laughs> yeah so the reason we're recording this special episode uh is because fran and i finished the tower of nero within a day of its release oh yeah and there's technically like a spoiler uh ban kind of thing going on for like the next two weeks or two weeks after the book came out but also fran and i are just <laughs> dying to talk about this book <laughs> oh yeah but before we begin Fran how are you I am doing good I am I'm feeling pretty good I'm uh well always talking about my mental health and I'm getting support for my mental health which if you guys are struggling of course go get support for your mental health as well so I'm feeling pretty good um that I've got that set up and life is well I don't think life is technically going on because we're still in a pandemic, but it is, it is happening. So I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, what's it called? I, I'm also currently looking for therapeutic help. Always good to hear. Look yeah. after yourselves. Remember kids, look after yourselves. Um, what else do I normally say? If you're American and you're eligible to vote, go vote. Please and thank you. Yes, go and vote. I, I I can vote, but we don't have any voting going on here in Britain. But yes, Americans, vote, please, because we've got Boris Johnson. Like, I feel your pain and I can't do anything about that for five years. So <laughs> please do something for yourselves. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so just just go vote. 
remember take care of yourself go vote don't go out to like parties or anything wear your masks all that good promotional stuff and listen to percy jackson podcasts including this one right here and tell your friends about into the Riodiverse and also the best damn camp because i would like some listeners too please yes <laughs> all right so this is going to be a general discussion of the tower of nero here is your first only and final warning we are going to be talking about spoilers of the book if you haven't read the tower of nero now is your last chance to turn back <laughs> Go read it and then come back. Yes. Uh, pause this podcast, read it, or do what I did. Listen to the, I think it was like 15 hours of audiobook, because mm. I can't read well. Uh, listen to like the 15, audios of, uh, 15 hours of audiobook, come back, and then press play. <laughs> yes, do exactly that. Yes. All right. So I f- uh, so that was your only warning. Let's get into discussions. Fran, I figured we could start first with a general overview of the book, uh, some of the general things we did or did not like. So let's go, Fran. What did you think of the book overall? I think this was definitely my favorite of the Trials of Apollo books. Before, it was Burning Maze was like my top out of them. But now Tower of Nero has taken that number one spot, Burning Maze second, and then the oh god what was it called the the others the the others are after that with dark prophecy at the bottom (laughs) listen it's not that the other trials of apollo books like are bad it's just that burning maze and tower of nero took the cake phenomenal so so good and i think it just shows like this book in particular it was like everything that was building up in the previous books was like coming to this moment there was like always a like the sense of pressure throughout mm-hmm. the book like you knew something bad was coming you never really knew when it was coming when something bad did happen you're like oh, okay that's happened but something bad comes straight after you I'm like wait which one was the, the bad thing? is this a worse thing or is this just a general bad or is this like an, a, an evil bad thing? like it was just constantly going you're like i i was in a constant state of feeling on edge of like i don't know what's gonna happen now and i'm scared <laughs> So I, I listened to the audiobook while I was at work and my face was just like lighting up and like frowning and I'm like almost crying at work and everyone's like, dude, what the fuck's wrong with you? Oh, by the way, you can swear here. I just bleep it. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> and they're just like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, well, you, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> my heart's being broken by fictional characters. It's like that uh, that Simpsons thing, you know, is your, is one of your characters having a difficulty right now? Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Marge Simpson. <laughs> is one of your characters having difficulties? And for all intents and purposes, I mean, Apollo had a lot of difficulties this book. He did, oh, so, so many difficulties. Oh my god. This entire series, except for the first two, because I was kind of like, Apollo you suck ass i don't want i don't want to like you and then in the third book i was like oh i'm starting to like you i'm starting to care about you oh no and then this one i'm like this boy just needs to be wrapped up in a blanket and given food and a hug and he just needs all the love and support that he's never had in his entire existence up until this book i i held very strongly like you're not supposed to like apollo like Mm. he's gonna have all these traumatic and sad experiences but also at the end of the day, like he wants to become a god again and he'll probably forget about all this. 
and then um the whole jason bit happened where jason was like you know you need to when you become a god again remember what it's like to be human and then jason dies and that drove um that drove apollo throughout the next couple of books to try to like better himself one of the big things that i loved about tower of nero is so many characters are telling Apollo, you know, you you seem happier, you seem, you know, better. You yeah. don't seem like the asshole you were six months ago. Yeah. And I'm like, the growth. That's what we call growth. Exactly. Oh my god, it was. Oh, it was some. It was amazing, especially because Sally was like the first person who said it as well, wasn't she? Really. Uh, of course, it'd be Sally, Queen yeah. Sally. Sa- oh, Sally. Also, can we just talk about the real MVP, Paul Blowfist, for a second? Really though really though jesus like that man is a godsend and maybe he is considering that (laughs) that estelle has sea green eyes like some kind of god we are aware of (laughs) well i guess that 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 nicely that nicely segues into our next segment where i want us to talk about specific characters uh and how the plot revolved around them what they did as characters how they've improved as characters uh, and you just talked about Paul, which, yeah, he's a great, great man. I loved really when, um, you know, Apollo was like, I feel bad endangering you and your family. And he's like, Percy risked his life for everyone, for the world, for his friends. Like, the least I can do is give you some food and a place to sleep. Yeah. I think that was just that in itself, like his phrasing, the fact that he wanted to get involved. Like, not only was he worried about these kids going into this battle again like he seems to actually really care about these kids as well like even though he's very much the the second the the yang to sally's yin they both care so much about all the people around them the thing that got me the most about it where i was like okay paul is (laughs) the best character meet to me now was like when he was talking about percy's schooling because percy the angel that he is graduated high school amazing but he was at a school that was really not a nice place for him to be in, in that it was basically like a prison for like troubled kids. And Paul mm-hmm. hated it so much. He was so angry at the system for kind of like letting Percy down and tried so hard to get him back to his school so he could actually get the proper education that he deserved and all these sort of things. And just hearing him say that, I was like, this man though, caring so much about... So- Percy may be his stepson, but he clearly considers him to be like a son to him as well, which mm-hmm. we stand a legend. We stand a legend. <laughs> yes, Paul is a legend now. That's I'm going for it. Yeah. But that moment I was like, that solidified my all the people who said that Paul was boring. Y'all need to shut your faces. Because <laughs> he is not. He He's is never man. been boring. Exactly. <laughs> literally he hops up in the battle of manhattan like sword fight oh yeah i picked that up in in uh in college a little shakespearean acting exactly i mean if we're, if we're talking about characters i'm glad we talked about paul but i think we need to need we do i think we do need to talk about some of the specific like main beans like percy himself one of the common complaints i keep seeing about this book is that people are upset that percy didn't have a bigger role oh my god of course which I mean, yeah, I would have liked for Percy to maybe have shown up in the in the in the battle at uh, Nero's tower, for example. But also, 
when in the beginning, you know, Apollo goes to Percy's uh, apartment and he's like, where's Percy? You know, Paul and Sally are beaming. They're like, he graduated high school. He's on his way to college in California. I, I literally stood there. I'm like, my baby's all grown up. Oh God, yeah. Oh, it was just, it was so it was so beautiful seeing him getting his getting on with his life, and I think that was the main thing. I was like, people are complaining. The boy deserves a rest, man. Like, <laughs> let him have a holiday. Let him have a holiday. Yeah. Listen, I mean, when Apollo first first meets Percy, he's struggling because he has to catch up on a year of school extra, and he's like studying for his SATs and all that. Do they have SATs in in England, Fran? Um, sort of. Um, we... so, so when you transition from like, I think you call it secondary to college, yeah. what kind of tests or whatever you need to do? Yeah, so that would be GCSEs. So we, our college is also kind of different to yours because it's, wait, is your college like pre-university or is your college like university? Uh, pre-university, if I recall. Okay, so it's probably the same as ours then. We just, yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Never mind. It is the same. <laughs> yeah, so that would be GCSEs. Your SATs would be our GCSEs. Although we nice. also do something called SATs, but we call them SATs, and we do them in primary school and at the start of secondary school, and then we do GCSEs at the end. We do that so much like tests. A, that sounds like a lot of tests. It is. There are so many tests. Here, being a New Yorker, I always love telling friends that live in other states about the, these exams called regents we have in New York, where mm. they're like extra exams on top of our finals. They're like state-sponsored exams. And if you okay. get like really, if you get like really good grades in your regents, you get like a special regents diploma. What does that do? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have one. I have no clue what it does. <laughs> I have a regents diploma. I don't know why or, or what it does, but I've got one. All my friends who live like in California or Massachusetts are like, what the hell is a Regents? I'm like, it's a special test. And like, why do you need to take it? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just did because they said I should. <laughs> I just did because they locked me in a room for three hours and I took a test. <laughs> oh my gosh. That actually sounds something like we would do here in the UK. <laughs> Uh, this is going to be a side tangent because why not? But uh, it it always I, I got extra time in exams when I was in school because I have ADHD, mm. and I never used the extra time. They'd be like a two hour exam. They give me an extra hour. I'd be done in like forty minutes. I'm like, well, crap. I'm I'm stuck here for the next two hours. Oh my gosh! I, actually, I had that similar with my exams because I got extra time for. Um for my dyslexia and such so hmm. i got extra time as well i think it was usually like up to half an hour would sometimes be my extra time but yeah i didn't always use it either sometimes it'd be like i'd want to not use it because i'd be like oh my god now i'm gonna second guess everything that i've just written yeah <laughs> that's, that's a big thing they'll be like well since you're done early why don't you go over all your work again and i'm like no because that's that'll give me anxiety <laughs> Oh my god, yes. I'll sit there being like, should the answer be B? What if it's C? I did the math, it's B. But what if my math is wrong? And then I just do that <laughs> for the next two hours. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, oh how many Percy got it? He should get extra time, shouldn't he, as well? Because Percy um, has ADHD and dyslexia. Yeah, he's going to get a lot of extra time. <laughs> he he also went to like a, a, like a delinquent school, I think, is like what Paul tries to call it. Yeah. Like a, like a school for troubled youths, which I, I thought was like a nice little, not like a nice little, but like 
an interesting little callback to like Percy's upbringing in all these schools that were like the first school, Nancy Academy. That was a school for delinquents. Yeah, same with the the second one as well. All of his schools yeah. are pretty much being for delinquents, except for the except for Paul's high school, Good High School. Yeah. So I thought it was an interesting little, you know, return to basics for Percy to finish his schooling mm. in in like a delinquent school. I, I, I feel bad saying like a delinquent school. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was the whole thing with Paul as well. It's just he wasn't happy saying it either. He was just unhappy with the situation, which yeah. is why we stand. <laughs> which is weird. I, I don't think I can like say for a fact what would happen if, you know, you just go missing for a year and you come back. And you know you missed your junior year of of high school. I, I I don't know exactly what would happen, but I still think you'd be allowed to attend the high school you you went to, so long yeah. as you didn't flunk out. Yeah, it was uh, maybe it's because of like all the trouble he's had in the past. They just assumed it was another trouble related thing or something. Yeah, yeah, probably something like that. But all the same, he has graduated and he now gets to live his life. So people stop wishing Percy was in it more. Let him have a break. Same with Annabeth. Annabeth and yeah. Percy deserve a break. I'm pretty sure if you wanted to read more of uh, Percy and Annabeth's adventures, you could have read Magnus Chase, which I'll get to eventually. <laughs> Part of the point of this podcast is I have never read the Magnus Chase books. We'll get to that in like in like four years or something. Oh, God. <laughs> Sounds about right. That's oh, when God. I'm probably going to get to them is about, I think it's like seven or eight years time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, we, the passage of time is coming. Oh, I'm not. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. No. Um, what's it called? What What I do like, since we're talking about Percy and Annabeth, is at the end of the book when Apollo, you know, like get, regains his godhood and goes to visit all of his friends that he made during his adventures. Yay. He goes, you know, he visits Annabeth and Percy, and they're talking. And I, I, I love how he casually mentions he's like, "So, I see you have a single bed," and they're like, <laughs> "Apollo, you perv." <laughs> Like he's sleeping in a different dormitory. It's like it's none of your goddamn business either. I mean, it's none. Of, it's none of anyone's business. But also, I think Percy and Annabeth are eighteen now, so yeah. Hey, let them let let them do what they want. Exactly. Live and let live. Whatever happens behind Percy Beth closed doors is none of our business. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of uh, local pervert Apollo, let's talk about Apollo. <laughs> Yes. Oh my god. Apollo in this book, I think, is my favorite kind of Apollo. Yeah. Um, oh my god. He's so humble now as well, I find. He really is. Uh, like we said earlier, I, we, we love that <clears throat> many of the characters are telling him that he's become better, he's become less selfish, less self-important. Mm. And I think there's something about him that's like before, like even in the last, well, not really in the last book either, but definitely Burning Maze, he was still in that mindset of like, let other people fight his battles. Yeah, Whereas, and then Jason died. Yeah, and that like changed everything. Like he was so terrified of losing anyone else and all these sort of things. Like, like he would go into these dangerous situations, even though knowing he was probably going to fail. And he kind of does mm. that here as well, but he doesn't do it to a level where he's like, him putting himself at risk is going to lead to other people being put at risk. He specifically kind of goes out of his way to make sure that doesn't happen. And he's even untrustworthy of nearly everyone now. Any new person that comes into his life, there is a sense of untrustingness about it because I, I think he's worried that any new person that comes in, either 
they're going to be someone he cares about and he's going to lose them or they're going to be someone who takes away another person that he cares about mm. and then we got that a lot with um i've forgotten her name already with lou um lou Gazuela? yeah i can't say her full name so lou was the nickname that they were giving her wasn't it yes okay that's good <laughs> because i was like i'm not gonna be able to say her full name i i couldn't even read it in my head i was like i don't i don't know i'm just gonna say lou <laughs> I have it in front of me, and I have no idea how to pronounce it. I listened to the audiobook. I have no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> so we will stick with Lou. Lou. Yeah, Lou. Who, um, firstly as well, oh my god, I think she may be my favorite character now. Oh, she was great. She's phenomenal. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, I, I, I love in the beginning when they're like, okay, we got to try and convince Nero that you guys, we, like, we fought. So what you're going to do is you're going to throw me off the roof. And Apollo's like, okay, I'll throw you off the roof. Uh, uh, but instead, Apollo throws her off the roof like five blocks away. <laughs> he throws her over two roofs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That was that was so, that was hilarious to me. Because like, he just threw it and he was like, oh, And then you just hear like a car alarm going off in the I, I could picture it, it perfectly as someone who lives in new york and has also walked through manhattan like the the annoying car alarm sound just like rang perfectly in my ear oh i, I my could God. hear like the loud thud and then i could be like oh my god i could have thought it was hilarious but and she... the reason it rings to me is because uh people who park in the city don't park near where they live where they live so you park like three blocks away you're not going to hear your car alarm oh yeah oh gosh oh we don't have that we have that in london but i don't live in london so that's fine for me Mm. (laughs) that sounds horrible it is (laughs) uh but i would say lou was a really interesting character to introduce in this in this story in particular especially for like the ending part but you kind of half get why she was introduced in that she is of celtic origin yeah because rick wants to do his little irish series exactly so i wonder if she's either she's gonna be in that series mm-hmm. or the warriors that she is meant to represent whose name i can't remember um i feel like it began with a g Gaul, Gaul, Gaul. Yeah, Gaul, Gaul. I think it was. Yeah, I think so. The Gaul warriors, who even the Germani were afraid of, in a sense, um, were Celtic warriors. And I was like, that sounds really interesting. And now, if if <laughs> if Rick's Irish stories don't feature them, I'm going to be disappointed because they sound amazing. The tattoos as well. I kind of want to see what official artwork of her will look like. Yeah. Because she sounds just like such an interesting character to see. Uh, there's actually official artwork of her on uh, Reed Riordan. Is it? Uh, I assume it's official. It's, I'm looking at it right now. She's uh, a, a very. I like her. I like her. How her hair is braided. I love her tattoos. Oh my gosh! Hold on. Hold on. Here, I'll link it to you. Hold on. Yeah. Way ah. Um. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go open up so i can look at it da, da, da. oh is it the main big one behind yes, it yes ah. i assume so. hmm. ah okay i didn't actually think she would look like that so that's an interesting mm. she looks like she can rip someone in half and i'm here for it 
Oh my god, yeah, she does actually. She's kind of terrifying. I like yeah. it. But before we go a little more uh, in depth about Lou, because oof, oof, uh, I think we should finish up our Apollo talk, oh, especially. Yeah. So Apollo, he's he's all good now. Um, he's slowly starting to gain his godly strength back throughout the book. He's he mm. fights Nero. He beats up Nero. I think really the pinnacle of Apollo's like journey is at his end when he and uh, Python are like barreling through Tartarus. Yes. Oh my God. That I was not expecting that at all, actually for Mm. that to literally lead to Tartarus and him almost becoming losing his existence in Tartarus. And the fact that he was willing to as well, like he knew exactly what the prophecy was meaning, how it was going to go. And he went straight, he didn't really hesitate at all. Like, he went straight forward, like, if this means the end of my existence, then it means the end of my existence. And, like, ran head on in and took Python down to Tartarus. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, dissolving in w- one of the rivers. I forget which one. Um, The River Styx. They oh, was it just straight up the Styx? I think so, yeah. So it's the Styx leads into Tartarus, I believe, which is, yeah. I think he lands in, in it. And the big thing that he's remembered is this this idea that this the goddess Styx is probably laughing at him the whole time of like this is this is what you get for breaking your promises. Um, but did, didn't she appear to him towards the end? And she's like, okay, we're good. Yeah. So when he has managed to dislodge Python into um, the abyss, basically, so not even into Tartarus, but into a non-existence with. Um, whatever the name of the the big titan is um and he's dangling off the edge she does appear to him being like have you learned your lesson basically and Mm. he says he has and he's ready basically taking it as in he's ready to die he's ready to disappear not even that he's ready to become a god again but he's ready to let go Mm. um and she takes that as you have learned your lesson and so we are even basically and then he wakes up on olympus and it's like what (laughs) yeah well that 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 was so for me i always thought that he would regain his godhood like that's the end game of this series i don't think rick would kill him and i don't think he would remain immortal like i I don't think even if he had the choice he could he would he could remain immortal zeus would just make him a god again because i i had this idea that the gods there imposing and they're you know self-righteous they don't care what others think mm-hmm. and when we come back to olympus i was right yeah oh my god it was so- seeing the gods from a god's perspective mm. was so so interesting because apollo res- resents it all so much mm. there are only a few gods that he seems to understand more so now that being his sister dionysus Athena, and even Hera, the four gods that you would not expect him to, other than his sister, the four gods that you wouldn't expect him to agree with and understand are the ones that he feels a sense of awareness to. And then the straight up hatred of his father. I'm like, damn right, Zeus gotta go. (laughs) So there are a couple things that I I liked. Number one was it, it was revealed in a previous chapter that the gods had a betting pool if Apollo was going to become a god again or not. 
Yeah. And Athena was like, you guys are idiots. Why are you making this bet? And then when Apollo comes back, it's revealed she won the pot. Yeah. But that that I like, though, because she believed in him. Yeah. She won it because he won. And I'm like, yeah, she was, voting, she was rooting for him to win. <laughs> love it. Yeah. And then I, I do love a lot of the internal monologue when, like, Zeus and Apollo are alone. And Zeus is like, listen, I know that you had a hard time and, like, you know, you were suffering, but it was all, I, I had to do it. It was all in good faith. And Apollo, through gritted teeth, is like, yep, sure, Dad. Oh, my God. That speech alone, I was like, this is why Apollo and Meg got on so well, because they went through the same thing, in a sense. Um, and, oh, my God. I loved it. Just Apollo's true realization that his father in a sense is a monster um but he was never going to change well that segues nicely into talking about meg mccaffrey who i think a lot of stuff happened to her the poor bean oh my god considering she's got like 13 14 she's been through so much i really liked how apollo's like yeah my friend here has grown it's been six months she got a little taller she, you know, she's she's starting to look a little more like a teenager, and I'm like, oh, growing up. Yeah. Although I was when he did say it was six months, I was like, it's only been six months. What the hell? I mean, uh, books two through five of Heroes of Olympus takes place over the course of like three months. Yeah, that's always something. Like it feels like it takes so much longer. And I'm like, this feels so weird. Uh, all these things are happening in such a short period of time. But that makes sense. <laughs> mm. I, I think the only thing for Meg, she's generally the same character. She's quick witted and sassy and uh, is Apollo's best friend, but also his worst nightmare in some senses. Oh, yeah. But I really think what we should talk about is that scene in Nero's tower where Nero is trying to be like, listen, uh, what if I brainwashed you a little bit to try and convince you to, like, kill Apollo? Or, like, to have Apollo get killed? Yeah. Oh, my God. Those scenes with Meg and Nero, every single one of them broke my heart in so many different pieces. I think the one that really broke my heart and also shocked the living sh- out of me oh was when they had, like, was when Apollo and Meg gave themselves up and Nero reveals that he knew about, like, the double cross, like, lose double cross. And he has her hands cut off in front of them. By an eight-year-old boy. Who well. did not want to do it. With yeah. Meg's blades. With Meg's blades. Even worse. And made it out that it was Meg's fault. That that's, that's uh, traumatic. Yeah. Oh, I I remember both of us. Like, when we, we, were, reading, we were at the same point as that moment as well and i'd messaged you just like mate how far into you uh into tower of nero are you and you said oh at this point i was like oh okay oh my god what happened to Lou? they <laughs> cut off like, her arms <laughs> they cut off her arms and there's that whole scene in like a prison where apollo has to cauterize her wounds and like help her not die oh my god that that scene oh that broke my heart again. This book broke my heart so many times. It really did. You posted a TikTok where you're like, I finished Tower of Nero. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. 
I, there were so many things I was like, oh, I want to say so many things, but I don't want to spoil it. So I was like, I'll just be like, I'm not okay, but I will leave. It's okay leave. to not be okay. That also, oh my gosh. There's just that whole scene. Because as well, after that, like the moment that happens as well, Meg is taken by Nero, locked away, and is forced into that gaslighting situation all over again. And Apollo sees it in his dreams. He sees exactly what Nero's been saying to her, saying, even saying to he he was willing to kill an eight-year-old child if that's what Meg deemed worthy to happen because of what happened to Lou. I'm like, he's trying to make her feel like this child's life is on, like, in her hands. Like, she is responsible for anything that may happen to this child now because Nero has said it and all these sort of things. I'm like, oh, my God. This book went deep. Like, it went dark. It, it really did. I just... Uh, for a lot of those parts, I really felt this. I felt very uncomfortable listening to that. Yeah, it was. It it was just really uncomfortable. There was really no other way to say it, and I think that's the point. You know, it's supposed to really show. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't want to say a good example. It's supposed to show an example of uh, what gaslighting and like mental abuse does. Like when when. Part of, like, Meg's conflict this book was that she was preparing herself to face Nero, her abuser, again. Mm. And Apollo was worried for her, like, I don't think she can do it. And uh, in a way, he was right. She couldn't particularly do it until, like, she really had to step into action and attack Nero and her, and her, and her siblings. Yeah. That in itself, actually, is what I didn't realize he had other demigod children that he'd been brainwashing until this book and we saw it and i was like there were some that are around like 18 19 years old and then the youngest obviously being was it cassius was that his name i, cassius? I think so i think yeah, so. yeah he was eight and like oh my god seeing them and even meg kind of reacting to them and being like oh no and the fact that they'd been made to turn on her as well from uh, due to the fact that she was nero's favorite which obviously mm. You don't particularly want to be Nero's favorite because Nero is a psychopath. But that was the way in which he kept control over them was that whoever was his favorite was the one who got the better treatment. And by better treatment, we mean worse treatment. Um, and just seeing that whole situation and then her kind of coming to that realization near the end as well, like her finally taking the stand because she doesn't want Apollo to die, but then having that weight on her that either Apollo dies or every demigod in that building dies. It's just like, oh my god, this 13-year-old girl is being tricked so much into believing things that aren't actually happening and this guy is just trying to ruin her life and make her feel responsible for the death of people that he has caused the death of. And it's like, leave Meg alone! Let her have a childhood, please! <laughs> Well, now she'll hopefully have a child as she goes, at the end of the book, she goes back to her father's, like, lab in California, Southern California. With Lou as well, which is brilliant. So I'm, I'm glad. Um, one of the things that I kind of like is that nobody dies in this book. Well, I mean, except for the surprisingly, one of the most surprisingly uh, emotionally riveting and, like, emotionally destructive death scenes of the series where the arrow of the donor dies. Oh my, oh my god, I didn't think I could actually be upset over the loss of a piece of wood. 
Yeah. Oh my god. It's it's during Apollo's fight with Python, and um, the arrow of the donut is like, listen, dude. All right, listen. Uh, here's the game plan. And then he just stabs uh, Pylon, uh, Python in the eye, and Apollo's like, that's the game plan. Oh yeah. That oh my god, that scene kind of really it hurt because that was like what Apollo was saying is what that that was the final that was the one thing he had left other than Meg, who mm. he was gonna lose anyway because he was gonna disappear. Yeah, Meg was the only person he had left who had survived everything, but had been put through so much at the same time. Even if her life hadn't been lost, she'd lost so much else in in return. And the arrow of Dodona was the only thing he had left after that. And now that was gone. I'm like, oh my god. It was really, it, it broke my heart, I think, really. Because yeah. through, through a lot of their fall into Tartarus, uh, Apollo's describing that the arrow still perfectly, you know, it, it hasn't broken. Yeah. And then they start dissolving in the abyss and he's like, oh, well, rip, arrow of Dodona. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, it was such, it's like a strange... 2v1 battle with the arrow of Dono, Dodona being like the MVP in that situation of like doing the final blow and helping Apollo take Python to Tartarus and I was like oh my god it was kind of like Jason all over again because Jason's sacrifice was the reason why they were able to escape Caligula's yacht 80 yacht thing um, his sacrifice is why they were able to get away and Arrow of Dodona is the same thing. Like the Arrow of Dodona is the reason why Apollo was able to beat Python. Rest oh. in peace, ye old Arrow. May the afterlife treat if you well. Hear, hear. Um, speaking of Jason, he does have a quick little cameo in this book where uh, he comes in Apollo's dreams, and he's like, "Listen, dude, you need to like. Sometimes there are choices that." are hard to make and but you need to make them and sometimes you need other people to make that choice for you mm. or something along those lines yeah and i think he also says that he was proud of apollo because he'd remembered the lesson that he wanted him to learn as well he was remembering to be human and stay human and all these sort of things and to keep remembering that even when he does become a god again i'm like oh i was really happy about that cameo Although, oh my god, the references to Jason, that breaking Nico's heart was like, oh. Oh, oh yeah, god. we have, so I guess we can also quickly talk about Nico D'Angelo and Will Solace. Yeah. Oh, Nico. Get some mental health support, Nico. Oh, I love that so much, how Dionysus and Will are helping him, like, cope with his PTSD. Yeah, oh, definitely Dionysus' sass is kind of exactly what you kind of need from someone. Just like, was it when Nico was going to interact with, um, oh, I've forgotten their names, the creatures that live underground. Oh, the, the, um, uh, it starts with like a T, uh. Yeah, the, I want to say troglodytes, but I don't think that's right. It's close, uh, tro troglodytes, troglodytes. Troglodytes, that's it, the troglodytes. Uh, which seemed to apparently mess up his mental health more, which I don't really get because we interacted with them. And I'm like, they don't seem that bad. I don't. Okay. Um, but like, apparently it does mess up his mental health more. And he was yeah. going to do it anyway to help with this battle. And Dionysus' mm. response is, I was like, well, if you want to not take care of your mental health, well, go right ahead. It's not like I'm trying to help or anything. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, legendary just the fact that he does care as well you can tell he cares 
And like even Apollo could tell that he cared as well. Yeah. Well, one of the complaints that I've seen go around a little bit is that like <clears throat> Solangelo is not a good couple and they're citing all these like weird moments in um uh what was the first book lost prophecy uh, hid- hidden oracle hidden oracle uh and the hidden oracle when we first see you know nico and will and nico is like rejecting will's touch or like not really being flirty boyfriend i'm like listen like my, my man he has ptsd what do you want yeah. from him and also not everyone is like that <laughs> yeah not everyone's like expression of love is through touch and through like seeing like i love you or whatever nico loves like really likes will like he doesn't say it or sh- show it in like traditionally um like lovey-dovey ways but he'll protect will he'll listen to will he respects will yeah and them is saying there aren't any flirty moments do they not remember that nico makes the reference of my doctor's note means that i have to stick with will something like that or, or, or like the whole thing about him being paired with will and will's like and i'm his doctor and i'm like oh okay <laughs> yeah that's a flirty moment and nico led the charge in that like i just oh my god they are the, they're the whole antithesis of that whole emo boy equals sunshine boy like that is what everyone wants but apparently they don't want it when it's actually given to them i'm like pick a side people do you want solanjo or do you not want solanjo i'm not saying the name right but i don't know how to pronounce it but whatever the case let the gays be happy in whatever they want to be happy in and this book shows that they are also a very lovely couple they're not perkabeth but they're you know they're pretty oh no the the pinnacle that you know that they're a cute couple is uh uh, where uh, where will makes a, a star wars reference and nico's like oh my god i'll i don't want to watch star wars i know you're a big star wars fan fine i'll watch star wars and i'm like oh that's cute yeah oh my god and it's also the first time he could we hear him call will his boyfriend as well i was like sorry my but bu- my boyfriend's a big nerd or something like that yeah like the first time we hear it i'm like oh it's so nonchalant as well and he's not making like a big deal of it there's the reference as well to um as to why he struggled a lot and apollo mentions it is that nico is from the 30s the 1930s is catholic and would have been growing up in a very homophobic time period it is no wonder that that is ingrained into his head that when we first see him in his first relationship with a boy he is uncomfortable because everything will be telling him that this is not the right thing to do so shut up people (laughs) wonderfully enough that scene where uh will and nico are talking about star wars and how will's a nico uh will's a nico fan that's true will's a star wars fan (laughs) uh happens in uh rachel elizabeth dare's house let's quickly talk about good old red oh my god i love red (laughs) i'm just gonna call her red because that's basically that's her name her hair's red and her name is red (laughs) i remember in uh radio camp half-blood they were making a joke like anybody with three names is the villain or like they're evil and i'm like i mean she's not evil but she's very uh uh meticulous i'd say yeah she's intense (laughs) i think is the thing to say here but also rachel elizabeth dare crossing the lines between all of the riordan verse because she can see brooklyn house from the kane chronicles aka the isn't that the uh the 21st gnome yes the 21st gnome yeah yeah, yeah. 
She can see the 21st gnomes and Felix's penguins. You won't get that reference there yet. I don't think so, but... uh, I don't think we have penguins yet. Like, I'm still halfway through Red Pyramid, so... Oh, yeah. I don't think that comes into the second one. But you'll you'll get what I mean. There are penguins, and you will love it. (laughs) So, Red in this book, she's... She does a lot. She's it's sort of it's sort of the same vibe from Last Olympian where she shows up and she's like, okay, well, I guess I'm here to fight. (laughs) Bada bing, bada boom. And we get the blue hairbrush back as well. We do. Amazing. (laughs) So, do you have any other characters you want to talk about? Oh, that's a good question. Um, not any in specific detail that we get from the story itself. There are a few that have like some tidbits, but that can be just about the fun stuff that we talk about later. The, the one final character I want to talk about a little bit, um, who I think did get, uh, like, gifed or, like, it didn't get the screen time he deserved, was Grover. Yeah. But... He was just casually mentioned, being like, oh, yeah, they're on a road trip. He's on a road trip with uh, Percy and Annabeth, which I did love. Oh, my God. I loved it so much that the original trio got to hang out one last time. Yeah, that was actually really cute. The only thing yeah. I got from that is that they don't find out about Jason until they get to Camp Jupiter and I'm like Grover was there when he died so he's had an entire what four day road trip from New York to San Francisco in the car with them and didn't say a word or prepare them I mean (laughs) we we know you know how Grover is in the books I'm so I'm not surprised he didn't want to say anything yeah I think in my head I'm just like I wish he'd at least we don't know, admittedly, but if I wish he at least prepared them. So, like, before they turn... Because imagine if they turn up and everyone's grieving and all these sort of things, and they're like, oh, you guys, and they're like, what happened? And they're like, wait, you don't know? And I'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> that'd be... Oh, that'd be horrible. But that's just me. <laughs> so I can half get it if, if that was his reason. Like, either he didn't know what to say, or he's becoming Tehran. Well, at least they're grieving to the young people. <laughs> Oh, we can do. I, I know you loved Chiron. We can quickly talk about him. Oh God, I hate him so much. <laughs> you let children go to battle. What children are you that are doing? like brand new, and he's just in the background being like, "Raise your raise your sword higher, arch your bow a little more, duck to the left, not the right." I'm like, you're just treating this like it's a field trip. Yeah, because the kids think it's a field trip as well. They don't realize they're in an actual battle. I'm like, these are 12-year-old children that you have willingly taken. You weren't even willing to allow Percy to go on a quest. He went without your knowledge. (sighs) He should not be allowed near children because he's... He is going to get them. It's no wonder Luke left. Because this Chiron is... Oh, sorry. Chiron. Is, Just say Ch- Chiron. <laughs> is a dick. And he's going to get yeah. these children killed. It's no wonder the camp was empty at the start. Because mm. he, he sent them all off to battle. They're all dead. Because he sent them away. I mean... <laughs> Like like we said, there's surprisingly no casualties in this book other than the Arrow of Adonis. So Chiron did is something correct that did not lead in the deaths of any twelve year olds. Yeah, I mean we don't even know if we're, if they're twelve. Like they seem to be, they could be younger because there were some that were coming at much younger ages. But still, yeah, at least no one died. Because if anyone did, I'm like, Chiron, this is why you need to not be here. 
This is how we cancel Chiron. Yeah. He should be cancelled long ago. My goodness. Yeah. He should have been cancelled in the Titan's Curse when he allowed a 14-year-old to deal with a grieving 10-year-old. I I made a meme about that. I don't know if you saw it. I feel like you did. Uh, where, I did. Uh, I feel like I did. Where, where it's Percy's like, how are we going to tell Nico that his sister's dead? And it's like a picture of that, of, of um, what's his face? Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, oh, yeah. like twirling, oh, yeah, twirling yeah. his mustache and like laughing, like, we. <laughs> what do you mean, we? Oh, okay, yeah, no, I saw that. I shared that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that was great. That's actually, that's actually, oh my goodness. So there, are, so there are no more characters we want to talk about. I want to quickly talk about. Uh, Fran, you are a, liter- a literary bean. I want to see if you notice any literary devices or like comparisons to other literary works or just references to other media. So there were a few, and there's one that stuck out to me the most because anyone who does know me knows that I am a K-pop music fan. Oh, <laughs> and, I know what you're going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Near the very end of the book, when um apollo is a god again and he's going to visit all of, of his friends and he turns up at camp and he's like oh i'm gonna go with lester because that's the way i feel most comfortable and he mentions um oh Pete, you may be wondering why i didn't choose i can't remember the other person's name because i didn't care about that i was focusing more on the other one which was where it says or oh, one of the bangtang boys and i was like the bangtang boy <gasps> bts yeah man yeah rick keeping it up with the kids my guy <laughs> And I was just so surprised. <laughs> Rick is just trying to be like, how do you do, my fellow kids? <laughs> he really is. I saw that and I was like, he literally doesn't. <laughs> he saw who was more interesting to people at the moment. I was like, ah, BTS, world domination. All right, okay, how have Apollo referenced the Bangtan Boys? But the fact that he used the Bangtan Boys as well, which isn't the most common name for the group, show that he did his research as well because they're only known as bts whereas bts is relating to bangtang boys um and so when he said that i was like oh my god he did his research <laughs> he knows my what's up did it. he did it <laughs> so that was one that i picked up on the most um but i don't there are quite a few others i don't know about any comparisons to other literary works because i don't i read it too quickly i think was a thing as well that i was just like yeah reading through <laughs> So I probably wasn't paying attention enough to it. But I think the things that just kind of drew me in the most was just the fact that so many things just went against the convention of what would be considered like middle grade books. Like yeah. we have literal decap and uh, not decapitation because that's a head. Um, um, amputation. Hand, amputation. There you go. Yeah. Through from an eight year old child of hands, the dealing of having to bandage that up and. Even just sort of slight discussions of people who are amputees as well and the need to kind of do things themselves. Like Apollo was trying to feed Lou the sandwiches and she's just getting annoyed about that because she she wants to do it herself. She needs to learn to do it herself. And that, I felt, resonated quite a lot. Like, And obviously, I I don't have any physical disabilities, but when I had my spinal surgery... And I was having to have like help, like showering, for example, the mm-hmm. utter, like sort of the indignity that it came from, like not being able to do those things myself. And then when I finally was able to, or like when I pushed to have it so I could do it myself, 
the sort of freedom, even though it's like difficult to do with it until you kind of get used to it. Mm. That sensation is, it feels so much better. You kind of, you feel that independence coming back and seeing that even in that short little scene, even her somehow, I don't even know how she did it, but putting the knife and fork into her stumps as well with the bandages to be little weapons was bloody genius. But at the same time, I was like, how the f*** did she do that? (laughs) I think she had a line of like, listen, when you have, when you have as much time as I did, you, you figure it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was it. Um, something about duct tape as well, or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Well played. Well played. I really hope you didn't stick yourself in like the cheek or anything with one like the fork. Because oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was brilliant. I just think there were just so many moments like that where just nothing went the way I thought it was going to be. I couldn't have predicted anything in this book. Whereas in some cases, I could predict what was going to happen. Like. The last book, which was, was it The ty- the Tyrant's Tomb? That's it. The Tyrant's Tomb, I felt I could predict some of the things that were coming. Nope. Oh, I, did I you couldn't. not? I couldn't. Listen, I'm, I'm bad at... Pre- I don't know if you've listened to this podcast. It's okay if you don't. But uh, last episode, we got the reveal in the King Chronicles that um, Horus and Isis are habit- inhabiting Sadie and Carter's bodies. I didn't catch that, even though there was a, there was a lot of foreshadowing and how like made fun of me for it. <laughs> I really, some cases like that, I do get it. I think in, with me being a writer, I kind of usually get an idea or sense of how things are going. But this was, I think, the first time with Rick's books, at least oh, in Trials of Apollo, at least. Like Burning Maze was a big shock for me because I was not expecting for a main character from one of the original series to actually be killed off. That was a complete and utter surprise to me yeah um especially considering we had the leo fake out i assumed you'd probably have something like that but no 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 it stuck and it was amazing obviously sad but amazing because it actually happened there, there, there's a wonderful <clears throat> youtube video about jason's death uh, and trials of apollo on this wonderful channel called a healthy dose of fran you should check it out oh yeah yeah, yeah. a healthy dose of fran I, uh, she's, uh, she's pretty cool i would uh I would say so. Yeah, go go check out that video about. I mean, she she has videos that are like uh, why Cora and Iron Man are the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but listen, it's 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 good. I, I, she she's a good bean. <laughs> Indeed, a good bean. As is uh this host of this. Oh no, I can't do that with this because we're already on the podcast, so I can't really make a reference. Uh, hold on. Um, <laughs> so is the uh the creator of the. Uh, damn meme page, you know, oh. pretty good guy. Pretty good guy. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Meme. I thought you were. I thought you were gonna say the creator of the consult the oracle. <laughs> I was going to, and I was like, oh, I, I know you don't do it anymore, so I'll reference the meme <laughs> page instead. I, I don't do it anymore because here's the thing. Apparently, people liked it. People keep listening to those five episodes I have up, <laughs> even though they're bad. But whatever. Admittedly, they weren't bad. I enjoyed them. Uh, maybe i'll do them again someday but um back to literary stuff i i i noticed a couple of things one was you know rachel noticing the the, the brooklyn uh, house from oh, kane yeah, Chron- yeah. from kane of chronicles what well, the kane chronicles <laughs> and two chiron being like oh yeah i had a meeting with a, a cat and a dis- uh, disembodied head so the cat i understand i know that's boss yeah yeah I don't know who the head is. I know that's from Magnus Chase. Yeah, I was going to say that's Magnus Chase, yeah. But uh, that, uh, that I think, opens up nicely to a potential uh, trio book series. It, it would be great if, like, 
Carter, Percy, and Magnus all had an adventure together. Yeah. Oh, and Sadie as well, alongside them, because obviously Carter and Sadie are both the mains for for King Chronicles. King so Chronicles. Yeah. Carter, Sadie, Magnus, and Percy all together on an adventure. I think that transitions nicely into our next segment, where we talk about uh, what do we think of the future of Rick's books, and what do we want from the future of Rick's books. Yes. So, small little segue here before we get into that on here as well. There is a video over at a healthy dose of Fran called what comes after percy jackson which you guys can check out for some other ideas outside of what may be talked about here on what could come next after after this charles apollo book and what may come in future you know just a little segue we'll be sure to put uh this healthy dose of fran youtube channel in the podcast show notes well hey (laughs) (laughs) but let's see so there's a lot of open-ended like endings so to speak in in tower of nero i think i'm saying it wrong completely but um there's a lot of stories that don't have an ending yet they can still be written Mm. um one of them is nico and will they get a prophecy from rachel as it involves something about going into tartarus and saving bob yeah oh yeah that'd be an interesting i think that'd either be a short story or maybe like a small novella itself yeah yeah which we could have. <laughs> and then there's also um I, I know you want this. There's uh <laughs> you already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do. Uh, the, the the potential for a hunter's book where they're yeah. hunting this like it was a fox, right? Wait, what was a fox? The oh, the monster the fox, hunting. Yeah, yeah, the fox that they're hunting. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't remember the name of it, but it is a fox they are hunting, yes. Mm-hmm. And Rainer and Talia's friendship. I love so much the best bros <laughs> best bros really can people stop shipping them the, the whole yeah. point of the hunters of artemis is that they can't fall in love with anyone yeah like i don't mind the idea of the ship if it's that they start to gain something and so uh, they of course you don't you, 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 you i mean the more <laughs> i know i'm such a stereotypical lesbian like hey two women interact i ship it <laughs> Listen, listen. The, the past like week, we've been yelling at you to stop reading angsty lesbian fanfic, <laughs> and yet you still keep reading angsty I lesbian do. fanfic. I do. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've tried to every time I try to move something that isn't actually angsty. Three chapters in, I'm like, oh fuck, it is. Oh it's no, <laughs> I'm oh, already no. invested, so I keep going. <laughs> and then it's like two in the morning, and you're like, ah, oh, my feelings. <laughs> And that was when I knew I had f***ed up. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. But Talia Reyna, I do get the idea of the ship, and I do kind of a little bit as well, but more in the idea that them, like, like I would say, like, decades later, when they're still part of the Hunters, something begins to develop, and so they sort of like what Joe and Emmy do in Dark Prophecy, which, honestly, they were the only highlight from Dark Prophecy for me, actually. I, apparently, from what I understand, people got mad at oh my like God. that whole that whole thing of like you know, the hunters of Artemis is not this like lesbian utopia they thought it was. Like you just can't fall in love with anyone. Yeah, and they're like, Rick is lesbophobic. I'm like, no, he's not. What? That was the dumbest thing I've ever experienced in this. Fa- there was a lot of dumb shit that happens in this fandom, but I think that was like the worst one. I was like. It has been stated, yes, it's turning your back on the company of men, but it's also turning away from romance and love. That's, like, the, the, in a sense, they're kind of being lesbophobic themselves because the fact that 
they're saying, oh, well, lesbians should still be involved. I'm like, but that means that you're saying that relationships between two women aren't real love if you want them to still be able to stay in the Hunters of Artemis, even though you're meant to turn your back on romance and love. Yeah, that's just that's just a whole can of worms. Yeah. Oh, gosh, you're going to get some emails, mate. <laughs> oh, God, I'm looking forward to it. But um, uh, there's another uh, open-ended story that Rick could write about, which would be Percy and Annabeth and... Uh, Gro- Grover, Amsa Tyson Grover's uh, road trip. What's it called? Road trip. Yeah. That they like Apollo briefly asks them. So how was your road trip? And Percy's like, I mean, it was it, it was a f-ing trip, dude. <laughs> oh my god, I would actually be down for a road trip because like that's what like four or five days across the U.S. country from New York to San Francisco. That's like four uh, five days, wouldn't it? By car. I was like, I, I, I went, when I read that part, or when I heard that part, I messaged you. I'm like, it's just a parallel back to the Lightning Thief, the trio going from New York to California. Yeah, because they would go by train in that case as well, which I guess is a little bit faster in comparison to just taking they, car. I thought they drove in Tower of Nero. Oh, in Ta- oh, yeah, Tower of Nero they drove, but I mean in Lightning Thief they take the train, so that went a little bit faster for them, their journey to um, California was a little yeah. bit faster because they were going by train as well whereas i'm guessing going by car from new york to california would yeah. be a little longer if you don't stop you can make it from new york to california in about a day ah. like if you don't if you don't eat if you don't use the bathroom if you you know you have good traffic from new york to california you can make it in about a day there was a world record broken to see how fast someone could get from california to new york and these three guys they had a car full of like police detecting equipment and they just sped their way from la to new york in like 12 hours wow so uh, unfortunately it is going to take like four or five days because i guess they referenced that like they were attacked by monsters or something on the way yeah because i'm just looking at it, it says by car from new york to california it's 43 hours so that's nearly two yeah. days in general yeah be stopping for like sleep and stuff so yeah that would take it even without monsters that would probably take maybe four days yeah in general so enough for a story of their road trip i'm down for it mm-hmm. you know what i'm down for most though what <laughs> the story of piper and shell oh <laughs> hell yes i'm so here for bisexual or pansexual piper i mean the only reason i want it to be bi is so we can call her biper oh my god <laughs> Wait, no, we can also call her Paper. <laughs> we can call her Paper. Oh my god, I hate myself. <laughs> what would you call it a ship name between uh, Shell and Piper? Shipper. Oh my god, Shipper! Oh, oh my god! Dude, that's actually great. That They are the ultimate ship because their name, their ship name is ship <laughs> oh my god the ultimate ship shipper <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love it if you don't make that into a meme robert we're gonna have problems <laughs> i'll, I'll do it someday in the future it'll it'll happen <laughs> um oh my gosh I can't believe we forgot we forgot to talk about Piper during our character discussions. Yeah. But yeah, Piper. Oh my god. Emily, I kinda of wanted to wait for her then because I was like, we don't get too much about her in that section other than the fact that she is happy in Oak it is Oklahoma, isn't it? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so she's happy in Oklahoma with her family, her dad's kind of adjusting and like, oh that's great. But also she got a girl. 
and she is happy she is living life and I'm like you know what i'm here for it even though it's so oh my god again obviously bloody controversies in this fandom everyone was annoyed that she moved on from jason I'm like they were literally broken up in the burning maze and had been for quite a while like they got i mean i i can see a kind of like oh she moved on so soon after jason's death i'm like i mean people process differently what yeah and just because they that he died doesn't mean that she can't find another romantic partner considering they were no longer romantic partners when he died yeah like <laughs> i think jason would have wanted her to move on yeah he'd be thrilled for oh sh- um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry i hit my microphone <laughs> he'd be thrilled for her like 100 percent. like jason is that kind of guy that even if his girlfriend who didn't know at the time i'm assuming that she was bisexual pansexual because kira and her mother are apparently assholes which you know fair because they are (laughs) but the fact that she has found interest whether it is that she is bisexual or she has come to realize that she is only interested in women or she's pansexual or whatever even if she doesn't end up having a label at this point because you don't always need a label that's not how life is all about he would 100% if he was still around he would be thrilled he would be the biggest supporter he would be the biggest ally he is the straight ally that everyone needs in their life because they're, they're super supportive they want to make sure that they aren't being mean they want to support everyone else. that's jason jason is the super J- jason is what we in the uh in the community call a himbo oh my god he and percy are both himbos 100 yeah, percent well, uh, this is talking about a completely different series, but I, I, I love in Heroes of Olympus. They're immediately like it was bromance on site. Oh, I, I won't get into it. <laughs> and then it just—it's just a lot sadder. Percy has like a moment of like silence where he's like, "I'm so upset that my bro died." I, yeah, he'll definitely be upset about Jason. I'm—I'm I'm definitely one of those people who. Doesn't what, agree what, 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 what are you holding back, my guy? You sound like you're, you're holding something back. <laughs> So I did on my TikTok a Percy Jackson hot take about how Jason and Percy aren't actually friends. They're more acquaintances than anything. What? Yeah, from my reads of Heroes of Olympus, just that they don't, they kind of get on well enough to be in each other's presence for long periods of time. But mm-hmm. in comparison to like Grover and Percy's friendship, it's not oh. even anything. Yeah, so I, I I don't want Jason to be his best friend and replace Grover. Like, that's mm. not what I want. I just think that they're very good friends, especially that they had that, like, three-month-long voyage together. Yeah. They experience it. Like, I you bond with someone def- very quickly. Friends. I wouldn't say they were good friends just because they still... They, they have their moments of not trusting each other still on various occasions. Like I guess. Yeah, so that's just that's just my thing. That's why I was like, oh no, I know he's gonna listen, be sad, but <laughs> I, 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 listen, you 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 can't take Jason and Percy's bromance for my dead fingers. <laughs> you can have the bromance; it is all good. I still want to say on the record that uh, Percy is peak bicon, who has a thing for uh, athletic blondes. Oh yeah. Oh no, definitely. I, I I take it back about the himbo thing. He's well, he's a bi himbo, I guess. Yeah, he's yeah. Bi himbo. Frank is definitely a himbo. Frank I think, <laughs> will be the sort of person that he will bake you like rainbow cookies for for Pride months to make you feel happy. Yeah. And then he would like he'd be the one who like gets the flags and like he looks after you during your Pride parade and all that sort of stuff. He'd be that guy. Uh, oh, we also forgot to talk about Frank and Hazel briefly. I mean, they had a brief cameo. Yeah. 
a very small one and they seem to be doing pretty well and then i think the thing that i liked about theirs was that they are fully enacting jason's wishes at yeah. new rome with all the new temples and all the new shrines and all these sort of things to all of the gods that they're, they're making sure and they're even dedicating an area to him as well from what i remember yeah and i was like i'm here for that and even that small little thing i was like that they're, they're, they're thriving they are thriving and that's why mm-hmm. i was like i like that although again oh my god so many controversies everyone was annoyed that they were thriving and i'm like why and the whole thing was basically like well reina struggled so much i'm like yeah because she didn't have any support that was why <laughs> she seemed to do really well when frank was about though because she finally had support but she wasn't happy with the role that's why she left and then hazel and frank have a really good dynamic and relationship both romantically it's... personally and all these sort of things so it's it's peak misogyny to be like well why can't the woman handle the job by herself but we can praise a man doing the job by himself even though frank didn't do it by himself he did it with reyna and then with hazel yeah like he was never alone running the job like yeah whereas reyna was alone doing the job for like several months yeah between when jason went missing and when percy showed up yeah and even when percy showed up he was like what the ruler for like two days maybe a day and then he she was alone again because <laughs> he then went on the quest I, i'm still upset we never got a moment where uh where in in hidden oracle i i don't think they mentioned anything about percy's spqr tattoo which i call bull on i would have loved the scene where we have sally being like excuse me percy jackson is that a tattoo <laughs> and oh percy's like gosh. no that I oh okay that I would have loved to see now that would have been brilliant. Yeah, is there anything else we want for the future of Rick's books? He we know he's making that Irish series, um, or at least an Irish book. Rick has said that he's not going to make like a full on series in the near future. He's just going to probably write like one offs and yeah. And, uh, and which I'm not I get surprised. It. I'm not surprised, especially can yeah. he's involved with both the Kane Chronicles and PGO TV series as well. Yeah. Um, like he's going to be heavily on that, and the fact that they've set up a production company as well, I wouldn't be surprised. Mytho Magic, that's oh my just God, the best legend. Um, legend. I, I wouldn't be surprised as well if they get their production team gets involved with all of the Ryolden Presents books that are being made. So there's Arusha, I think, has gotten a film a TV deal. show. Oh, Wasn't TV it show. show. Wasn't it a TV show? It may be. I thought I thought it was a film, but maybe it's a TV show. But then there's another one. I I, I don't actively go out and look for my news. I get my news uh, from the trusted Percy Jackson news podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, Radio Camp Half Blood, the Half Blood Report. Yeah, and there's another one as well. So Sal and Gabby is now yes. also getting. Um, I think a TV show as well, actually, because it says optioned by Disney Channel on the thing. Um, so I think it's a TV show, um, which is from Carlos Hernandez. I haven't read that one yet, actually. I need to read that one. But yeah, so everyone seems to be getting in, in the Ryodon Presents to getting a series option. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mytho Magic Inc. get involved as the production company for all of them. That'd be yeah, pretty cool. That'd be great. So basically, the 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 gist of what we want from Rick's future books is a uh, uh, Hunters of Artemis book. Yes, and gays. <laughs> yes, and the gay. I want Nico and Will. I want Pi- uh, Piper and Shell, and I want an Artemis book. That's it. That's all I yeah, need. Yeah, that's all we. That's all we want. <laughs> that's all we need. 
A- anything else would be great, but it's extra. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I think our Tower of Nero discussion is over. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This is brilliant. This so really happy. was. I'm so glad that you came to do this with me. I'm so glad that you had me. I'm glad to have been able to talk about it finally with someone. <laughs> and, uh, the way that we can't, we still can't talk about it with like everyone else for another week. Yeah, and I mean, no one else has even gotten to that level. Like, um, <laughs> I think it's just us, and I think um, Samuel and Diego from Half Blood Report have read it. I don't think anyone else has read it yet. I think they have. And at Half Blood Report. I completely spelled Half-Blood wrong. You guys read the book yeah. Alright. Um, yeah. I think they have, but I think they're the only... Only because they seem to be all up on the news about it. Because obviously they interviewed Rick to do this Tower of Nero. Let's take a moment to be uh, mad at Samuel and Diego for interviewing Rick and not telling us, not being able to. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, that's so jealous. Non-disclosure agreements, you can't tell us legally, but also, what the f*** guys, what the f***? <laughs> We're meant to be your friends, you've got a Discord and everything. And then they're referencing that they're going to have a special guest to talk to about Tower of Nero. I'm like, if you motherfuckers get Rick on your podcast, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> please don't quit. <laughs> I don't know I what I'll quit. Email him to say not to quit, please. Fine, I won't quit. But Fran, thank you for having this a wonderful Tower of Nero discussion with me. Thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you. I you're my, you're you're such a good person and friend in my life. I appreciate oh, you. I appreciate you too, my guy. <laughs> Friendship. Friendship. Woo. <laughs> so, Fran, uh, where where are some places they can find you? What are you doing uh, currently in the world? So I am running my Percy Jackson podcast, The Best Damn Camp, which is on all podcast mediums, so Spotify, Apple Podcast, all that good stuff. I release episodes every Wednesday. I say shakily because sometimes I don't if I forget. Um, but more often than not, they come out on Wednesday. And you can find our social media at Best Damn Camp pod on instagram and twitter and also if you couldn't tell from the terrible jokes we were making i am also the youtuber behind a healthy joseph fran where i also post extra Percy jackson content and for anyone who is also a fan of avatar the last airbender and legend of Korra, that is also there too so um drop a subscribe hit the notification bell and then subscribe to the podcast as well and share it with your friends Dankeschön. and you guys know who I am. Hal isn't here because reasons. I don't know. I didn't invite him. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's read past Heroes of Olympus, but that's that's a whole different story. Um, <laughs> you know who we are? We're here at uh, Into the Riotiverse. If you want to email the show, you can email us at intothereiotiverse at gmail.com. Send your questions, comments, concerns, or hell, even say hi. You can follow us at Pod on twitter.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, uh, that's that's a thing I started doing. You can follow uh, on both on both social medias at the damn meme page. Damn is spelled D A M. And with that, thank you once again, Fran, for joining me for this wonderful Tower of Nero talk. Thank you for having me. And as always, I'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye.